We have talked about several points of the doctrine of salvation. We've we go back up here and, and hit some of the highlights. We've talked about redemption. We've talked about that salvation is free to all. It's offered to all. We've talked about salvation in Christ's blood and regeneration. We're going to start with re- repentance tonight. Mark chapter 1 and, and starting in verse 4. says John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin so at the very beginning even before Jesus started preaching before Jesus arrived on the scene there was uh, an idea that repentance needed to take place now uh, repentance is turning from and turning to. All right, you're turning away from and making an about face. It's a military term. To repent means that you're facing one direction, you completely stop, and you turn around and you go the opposite direction. It's a 180 degree turn. That's the military idea. It's an about face. I've, I was, I've never was, I was never in the army, but I believe that's the term. Okay, and and so as you think about repenting, you're you're turning from something, and you're turning to something. Repentance and faith are inseparable. You can't have faith without repentance. And you can't repent without faith. Think about that for just a minute. Repentance and faith are inseparable experiences of grace. You can't have one without the other. Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says, Jesus is preaching. And he says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repentance is valid when when by conscience a man turns in mind, heart, and action from sin and towards God through a distinct change of character. And we're going to talk about changing character later on tonight. But, you know, just confessing your sin is, that's part of it. But turning from it is when we truly repent. D.L. Moody says, or Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody says this, Man is born with his back toward God, 
when he truly repents, he turns right around and faces God. Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is the tear in the eye of faith. Charles Spurgeon says this about repentance. Repentance is a plant that never grows on nature's dunghill. The nature must be changed. And repentance must be implanted by the Holy Spirit or it will never flourish in our hearts. Understand what he's saying. A lost man can't repent. That's what he's saying. Yes. Of faith. It is. Okay, it's it, it, going back up here. Whenever, whenever, it's it it shows it shows the uh, it shows the change of your heart. Going back, we have to be regenerated in order to be able to repent. Okay, our heart has to be changed from stone to, to flesh. Okay? Does that make sense? Faith is described as a gift of God wherein the soul by conviction places complete confidence in Jesus as Savior and commitment to Jesus as Lord. Faith and repentance are two sides of the salvation coin. So you have to have repentance. We're regenerated. God changes our heart. We repent of our sins. We respond in faith. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 I mean I'm sorry 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 says for Christ also died for died for sins once for all the just for the unjust so that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit so God gives us the ability to have faith in him now we still have to respond in that faith. Don't, don't misunderstand that. But it, again, faith is a gift from God. But we have to receive the faith. Okay? Acts 3.19 Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You must have Jesus as Savior and Lord. 
John Murray says this, it is impossible to disentangle faith and repentance. Saving faith is permeated with repentance and repentance is permeated with faith. We live in a day and a time that people have said Jesus is my Savior and stop. Easy believism. Easy believism. Okay? Lives are not transformed. We have, yet they have what they call a salvation experience. But there's no fruit of that salvation. Scripture never teaches that. It's always both and. Lord and Savior. Most of the time in Scripture, it's Lord first and Savior. Now I realize and and I realize that that we mature in our faith. I understand that. But people who claim to be Christians and there's no fruit of that whatsoever or there's The 80-20 principle. Okay? Everybody in the room know what the 80-20 principle is? 80% of the money given to the church is given by 20% of the people. 80% of the work done in the church is done by 20% of the people. Now that might not be true here. Okay? I didn't have the records at Trinity Baptist Church, but I was given every number, the annual number, one year. And we ran it. 10% of the people gave 90% of the money at Trinity Baptist Church that year that I ran all the statistics. We had 2,000 members and 600 showed up. And out of the 600 that showed up, you, you had maybe 100 that were faithful workers all the time. One year we baptized 157. Our Sunday school grew by 12. Now let me tell you something. I'm not judging people's salvation. I'm not. I'm teaching you what Scripture teaches. Bible does not separate Lord and Savior. Faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. You can't separate them. You can't 
You can't say I'm a believer and continue to live in the same sin that you were before. Okay? Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's going to be a tough question whenever we get to heaven. Now, Billy Graham, who we would all think is an expert on people who've made professions of faith, he said that 50% of the people that are members of a church are lost. John MacArthur would tell, has said, and this was several, many years ago, but John MacArthur said that he believes that 80% of the people that are members of a church are lost because of the 80-20 principle. Okay? I'm not a... I'm not accusing anybody in anything, but I'm, I am saying that, folks, we, we, need to, we need to realize that Scripture teaches Lordship of Christ in salvation. And if we're truly saved, faith leads us to repentance and obedience. John Stott says this, and John Stott is, is, I believe he's passed away now, but he, he was a theologian in England. He says, Jesus never concealed the fact that his, that his religion included a demand as well as an offer. The demand was as total as the offer was free. If he offered men his salvation, he demanded their submission. Repentance and faith go hand in hand. Now we move to salvation and justification. The statement in, in the, the Baptist faith and message is this. Justification is God's great, gracious and full acquittal upon principles of His righteousness of all sinners who repent and believe in Jesus. Justification brings the believer into a relationship of peace and favor with God. Justification is a one-time event. You are justified at the moment of your salvation. When you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have been justified in Christ. Okay? The word justified is a legal term. It means acquittal or innocent. Being right with and before the court. Alright? So, you are right and innocent before the heavenly court this this evening you going to sing that for us next time okay
Amen. Justification is granted to the believer because the righteousness of Christ is imputed unto him following the soul, allowing the soul to rest and enjoy the covenant relationship with Christ. A lot of big words in that statement. Justification is given to the believer because the righteousness of Christ is imputed, which means to be given without strings. He imputes His righteousness on us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us that. Can you pull that up for us, please, ma'am? I know you are. You're so good up there. 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made Him who knew no sin sin so that we might be his righteousness through him okay I, I didn't quite quote it in this translation did I he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him now we become Christ's righteousness it was given to us as He died on the cross and He gave it to us. It is a grace. It's a grace gift. Alright? It is a grace gift. But He makes us righteous. His righteousness is placed on us. Alright, we are justified, therefore we stand before the court, we stand before the King of Kings in His righteousness. In order for us, now I want to just get off track here for just a minute. In order for us to enjoy that covenant relationship, we have to continually ask God to forgive us as we know that we are sinning. Okay? That relationship has not changed. But for us to be able to enjoy that relationship, we have to get we have to see ourselves the way God sees us. <laughs> we have to ask God to forgive us. All right? Romans 3.24 says this. Back on my slides. <laughs> I make her jump around all over the place. Romans 3.24 says this. Having justified, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. God views His people as innocent through Christ and has a right standing that allows fellowship with Him. Tonight, if you're born again and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, you are innocent in Christ. <laughs> we sure can be. Every one of us. 
Romans 4.25 says this, he who, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. And then verse 5, uh, 5 verse 16 of the book of Romans, the gift is not that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in tr condemnation, but on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. Our justification comes, is imputed to us through Jesus. It is a one-time event. It's past. We are innocent because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. The next part of our salvation is sanctification. Now, sanctification is a process. Let's, let's read the, the thing that's in the book. Sanctification is the experience beginning in regeneration by which the believer is set apart to God's purposes and is enabled to progress toward moral and spiritual Maturity through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in Him. Growth and grace should continue throughout the regenerate person's life. It is a process. Where justification is a one-time event, sanctification is a process. It is a lifelong process. Now, there are some denominations that teach we can become perfect. We can become sinless. It's, it's, um, I think their, their term is something like total sanctif totally sanctified or something like that. That's incorrect. Paul says, I'm the chiefest of all sinners, as he's writing the book of 2 Timothy. Folks, Billy Graham said that he was a sinner just a few days before he died. And I, I, I say that about Billy Graham, but, you know, we kind of thought that he was, he was the Baptist Pope. You know what I mean? We, we, we thought very highly of Billy Graham, continued to do so. Um, Adrian Rogers, who, who was the pastor of all pastors, uh, continues, continually talked about him needing to ask God to forgive him in his sermons. If you listen to his sermons, you'll, you'll hear that he, he confesses that he is a sinner. We're all sinners but we are being sanctified. We, the power of sin loses, loses its power as we grow in our relationship with God. That's what sanctification is about. Now, that doesn't mean we stop sinning. That just means the heat gets turned up sometimes. All right? Now, 
The word sanctification or sanctify means to be consecrated or set apart for holiness. The Holy Spirit causes and enables us to pursue the likeness of Christ. And it is a joint endeavor between the redeemed and the Holy Spirit. Where justification is something that God does for us, sanctification is something that we do with God. We have a part in this process. Whenever we ask God to... We, all, we always make the statement, God... Don't, don't pray for patience. Okay? Because what's God going to do if you pray for patience? He's going to give you opportunity to be more patient. Whenever you ask God to help me love someone, He's going to give you opportunity to love somebody. Why? Because he is giving you opportunity to put on the sanctification. To take off the old, old clothes and put on the new clothes. That's what sanctification is. That you're taking off the old and putting on the new. And he empowers you. Listen, the Holy Spirit causes and enables us to pursue the likeness of Christ. Without the Holy Spirit giving us the desire to do that, we would never want to. Well, we don't, <laughs> right? Because the flesh is strong. Okay? Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay? Romans 6.13 says this, And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. See? It is our responsibility to do to live a righteous life. It's our responsibility to to treat our bodies the way and use our bodies the way that we're supposed to. Romans 8:13 says, "For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live." Now, Colossians 3.10 explains it for us. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Hear, hear that first statement. You laid aside the old self. And have put on the new self which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. It is our responsibility to stop doing some things. Now, I, I know, and in, in, in three of us, I'm going to take Wayne and Jamie on my journey with me. Because it's obvious that, that, that Wayne and Jamie and I have lost some weight. I've been praying about my weight for a long time. But you know, I had a, I had a counselor once tell me. He said the same God that can change, that can heal your body, can push you away from, the, can give you the strength to push away from the table. 
problem is I never pushed away from the table. I'm the one that had to make that choice. I could pray about it all day long. But he wasn't going to take that fried chicken I was eating every day and make it non-caloric. Or he wasn't going to take that candy bar that I was stopping at the convenience store in between cities and and make that non-caloric. I could pray about it all all day long. Now that's that is a and I'm not I'm I'm bragging on what God is doing in my life because He's using this program to make me more like Him. I mean, He's wearing me out, folks. I I can tell you that right now. He's kicking my hiney. Or he's using his two by four on that's that it's getting flatter and flatter right there. I can I feel it all the time. It's just flat. But he's wearing me out. But I had to make decisions. Now he gave me the desire to, to give him glory for what he's doing. Cause I can tell you right now, I'm I don't, we're eating eleven hundred calories a day at most. I'd I much rather eat that 3,000 calories a day that I was used to. I'd rather drink the coffee and the Diet Cokes all day that I was I was used to. But I wasn't giving God glory with what I was doing. Now, he, is, he, was, he gave me a desire to make a change. But I had to make the change. Wayne had to make the change. Jamie had to make the change. That is, a, that, is, that is just a picture, but that's the same picture that we have in, in whether it's in our, a, a habit that we might have, whether it's a, a personality trait that we have, whether it's a, a, a desire that we have, what, whatever it might be, that we have to take off the old and put on the new. And that's what the, sanctif- um, the, the sanctification process is all about and it's developed through spiritual disciplines Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says this let us consider how to stimulate one another to to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near whenever we get together we ought to we ought to be encouraging one another to love each other and good do good deeds. Man, this we ought, we ought to can't can't wait to get here so we can love on one another. Make sure everybody knows that they they're they're loved in the Lord. And how can we encourage one another to be loving? And what what good deeds are needing to be done? And whenever someone's down, how can we pick them up? Encourage one another. And then Ephesians 5.18 says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're going to leave that to Pam and Michael here. I mean, Pam broke out a song just now. Diane sings some, and Rita, I know, she sings all the time. 
I, I, I'm not going to do that. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And then I got one more verse. It says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. Folks, if we want to be sanctified, if we want to grow in, our, in the process, we have to develop spiritual disciplines daily. Martin Luther said, and he, there are two things that he brought to, to his quiet time. One was the Bible and one was the Psalter. For those of you who are younger than me, that's a songbook. Did you know what a Psalter was? Okay, good. But every morning he... Now, Martin Luther got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to have his quiet time. And he would read his Bible and sing songs. But we need to be studying the Word. We need to be praising the Lord, worshiping Him, and developing discipline spiritual disciplines and encouraging one another and where they are sanctification now we're going to finish this section on salvation the last part is glorification that is a one-time event that is in the future justification is in the past the penalty of sin is taken care of you are justified you will not have to pay the penalty of the sin. Jesus Christ did that for you. Sanctification is a process that we are living in now. The power of sin is being taken care of. As we develop our relationship with the Lord with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will have more and more strength and power over temptation and over sin in our lives. And then, glorification. The presence of sin will be taken care of. <laughs> Whenever we get to heaven, there is no sin. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's no illness. There's no deformity. There's no need for these things. There's no, you know, there's no aches or pains. There's, there's no need for Tylenol or insulin or any metformin or whatever other kind of blood pressure medication or anything else. There's no drug stores in heaven. There's, there's only one physician in heaven, and he's the great physician. The only scars in heaven are on Jesus' hands. In the little book, it says glorification is the culmination of salvation is the final blessed and abiding state of the redeemed. Glorification is the final step in our salvation and the hope of our faith. We will receive our eternal and spiritual bodies. Now, the moment we die, 
we are in the presence of the Lord, but there will come a day that our spirits and our physical bodies will be joined together. And I believe that's the rapture. We're going, we're going to conclude by reading 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 53. The Bible says, For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on the immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The death, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Now listen, we will be glorified. We won't be here. We might get caught up. And we might be changed. <laughs> Woo, that's going to be a glorious day. <laughs> but until then, we're supposed to work. And we're supposed to stand firm. And we're supposed to encourage one another. Look, let me tell you something. Life's hard. Living the Christian life is hard. I had a pastor friend tell me that living the, Christ, living the Christian life was one of the easiest things he'd ever done. Not too long after that, he cheated on his wife and almost lost his family. He's lost his ministry. Listen, living the Christian life is a hard thing to do. Because it's against everything the world is. And if you ever think you can do it by yourself, you're wrong. You can't. You need, we need one another. We need each other. And we need each other to encourage one another love one another and stand firm together salvation three parts to it justification or four parts regeneration where God changes our heart that we might be able to receive the gift that he's given us we repent and we have faith and then justification, sanctification, and glorification. Next week we'll look at the grace gift or the, the, the doctrine of grace. And that's a very, very deep doctrine. So we'll look at that next week. All right? Y'all have a blessed week. If y'all need anything, holler at me. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing reports from everybody of everything going on. All right, let's pray together. Father